Good morning again. It's a great morning because the Lord is with us. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Willie uh, shared some congregational goals for 2010. And he talked about uh, knowing and doing the epistle of James. He talked about having a constant devotional each day. He talked about being a better steward of God's possessions, our time, our spiritual gifts, our money, and then reaching out to those who God has given uh, to us to reach out to. So we're going to be talking about that this morning. Uh, Last week, Elder Sam had talked about the first two. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the second two, uh, our money and being a good steward over people that God has put in our path. Uh, But before we do that, uh, Pastor also told you that he wants to review the first chapter of the book of James every Sunday for this first month. Uh, So I'd like to do that. Um, Does anybody want to come up and share something from the first chapter of the book of James, either a scripture or something in the scriptures that means anything to you. As you know, the book of James was written to the 12 tribes who were dispersed abroad. Uh, James, if you read him, he's kind of tough, but he's, uh, he's a no-nonsense uh, writer that has great encouragement for us. So I have a volunteer. I'll be your first volunteer. <laughs> Just help James. John out, I'll be your first volunteer. James uh, is a terrific book because I like it because of the trials and stuff that we go through. And just the first chapter is just a theme, you know, just trials, how to overcome trials. Why do James say count it all joy? I want to know why James said it. How can I count my trials all joy? So that's one verse right there. Or what the verse said, uh, I think it says, count it all joy, my son, or something like that. That theme right there, that helps me to look at my trials and stuff. Okay. Yes. You want to come up? I'll come down. We're reviewing the book of James, and we're really trying to get it into us chapter by chapter, and Pastor is uh, really encouraging us. I haven't memorized it, but this just goes along with what the Holy Spirit was speaking through me earlier. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So if you can meditate on that word, you know, God is not the one that tempts us. So we need to... Just get in the Word and stay there and know His path for us. Excellent. Also, uh, what's really been standing out to me is James 1.19 that says to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of God does not work the righteousness of man. And um, it's helping me because when I go to school and I teach high school, Uh, sometimes the students know how to push my buttons. And so I have to remind myself 
to be slow to wrath, slow to speak, because that's not God's will. Brother, you have some from James? All right. Uh, one of the most important verses that I saw in the first chapter of James was, if any among you seem religious and bright as not his tongue, this man's religion is in vain. And and the most amazing thing I see about the scripture, um, the Lord Jesus always reminds us not to be deceived. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, he said, many shall deceive many. He said, he said, many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And if you allow a man to deceive you, if you allow the words of man to deceive you, then you got to recognize God, God can't take control of that. God can't, God can't allow us to come in to, to eternal heaven any kind of way. Um, we have to really ponder on the, some of the most important thoughts of eternal life. Um, the Bible says, well, in the 12th chapter of, of Matthew, the, fifth, the 50th verse, actually Jesus said, those that do the will of the Father, these are my brothers and sisters. And, and, and those are the things we have to really recognize is, are you doing the will of God? Or, are you in the will of God for your life? And why I'm saying that because because I have struggled with the will of God for my life. It, it it's been like a mountain to me, and, and and God deals with me about things that are so amazing, and I struggle with doing them. And I'm trying to actually just get in that place of of, of doing everything God wants me to do. Thank Amen. you. Keep meditating on the Book of James. Uh, the rest of this month will be the first chapter, and then in February we'll be sharing from the second chapter. Today, as I mentioned, I want to talk to you about being a better steward of our money. We have a little feedback. Okay. Do I need to move? Okay. All right. Let me read uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul says this, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints." But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I want to focus this morning of abounding in this grace also. We're talking about being a steward over our money. And I, I found it very interesting that Paul includes giving as one of the prime graces to abound in. And we want to, I want to go over what does this word abound mean because it's pretty interesting. Uh, the Greek word uh, for abound means to exceed a certain number, to run over, to go over. 
exceed a certain number to go over. And in Luke, um, you remember the uh, story where Jesus fed the 5,000? Actually, Jesus didn't feed 5,000. He fed 5,000 men. Now, I doubt that it was just men. There were probably women and children there, so there could have been 15,000, 20,000 that Jesus fed. And you know the story. Uh, They brought him five loaves and two fishes. He uh, looked up to heaven. He broke the bread. He gave thanks. And they passed them out. They distributed the food. It fed tens of thousands of people. And then here's the statement that was made at the end of it. Luke 9.17 So they all ate and were filled. And twelve baskets of leftover fragments were taken up to them. I never knew this, but the Greek word translated leftover is the Greek word translated abound. In other words, the bread was abounding. It had exceeded, it had run over the number of people that Jesus was feeding. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what this abounding in our giving is supposed to be? How can we abound in our giving this year? That's the question, right? Well, I'd like to talk to you about three ways we can do that. The first way is we can cooperate with the Lord with our giving. Second way, we can have the same mind or being one mind with the leaders that God has put in the church. And the third way is to actually believe that if you stick a seed in the ground, something might come up and you get to pick it and eat it. And money comes out of the mouth of a fish. All right, So we're going to be talking about fish, planting, cooperation. Let's take a look at cooperating with the Lord. You realize when we say that we're in fellowship, uh, sometimes we think of fellowship as potlucks, and it includes potlucks. But fellowship is koinonia, right? That means to partner with God. We are now in a partnership with God. So that means whatever God says to do, we should do it because we're partners with Him. And what has God asked us to do? But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in the grace of giving also. So, God has given us the Scripture. We see what the plan is. We see what He wants. Now we need to say, God, I want to cooperate with Your plan. And if you notice, what Paul wrote in Corinthians, how many times does he use the word abound? Abundance, riches, liberality, abounded, abound, abound. So, obviously God is trying to emphasize something to us in this passage in 2 Corinthians. So we want to cooperate with God by obeying His Word. And we're going to focus on the part of His Word today about abounding in the grace of giving. What else can we do? Well, we can be like-minded with the leaders. And uh, let me read you from Philippians. If you read the book of Philippians, you will see a word used over and over and over again. Just like Paul used the word abound over and over again to the Corinthians, he used a certain word over and over and over again to the Philippians. Let's see what it was. 
Philippians 2.1, he said, Therefore, if there's any comfort or consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Philippians 3.15 Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God is going to reveal this to you also. The context of that was, Paul was telling him, you need to press toward the mark of the goal of the upward prize of the calling in Christ Jesus. He's saying, hey, you've got to become more like Christ. And if you think you're mature, you'll have the this, this same mindset I just told you about. Philippians 4.2, I implore Eudia and I implore Syntyche uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Apparently they were having some type of disagreement, faction, whatever. So if you continue to read the book of Philippians, Paul repeatedly brings forth the theme of would you please be of one mind? Would you guys be of one mind with me? Would you guys be of one mind with your your church leaders? Would you guys be of one mind in matters of reconciliation? Because that's so important to God to to be in one accord. Because when we're in one accord, we have a testimony with the world, don't we? If we're fighting, what hope do these people outside these walls have? They're already torn up through fights. They're, they're, beat, they're beat to death. They're looking for something different. I implore you, be of the same mind. Well, be like-minded in what? Well, abounding in the grace of giving. What does Pastor Willie teach? What do the Scriptures teach on giving? Uh, pastor's been teaching this for years and years and years. I'll just briefly repeat it. Um, pastor teaches the idea of generous giving. But what does Paul teach? The idea of abounding in generous giving. Uh, generous giving. How do you know what generosity is? Well, in the Old Covenant, uh, the Israelites were required to give a tenth of their income to the Lord. Under the New Covenant... Uh, we teach generous giving. So how do you know what's generous? Well, 10, 10% is a good starting point, right, for generosity. Any waitress knows that 10% is not very generous. <laughs> Guarantee. <laughs> no doubt about it. So we want to be able to grow in that grace of being able to give 10% of our income. But it doesn't stop there. It's abounding. We need to have fragments of bread overflowing from our offerings. Wouldn't that be neat? Just fragments. Just, it just keeps coming. It doesn't stop. So, you know, the old, again, the old covenant principle of tithes and offerings, we give over and above 10% because we want to abound in our giving. And then Pastor asked us almost two years ago if we would give a pledge. Uh, those of you uh, know that have been here any time, we're currently uh, constructing a building on Old Graves Mill Road. And our goal is to be in there by Easter Sunday. We want to be praying that we're in there by Easter so we can glorify God in a new space. Uh, but in order to do that, we had to step up uh, and help meet a need help pay the expenses, 
to provide a pledge. And Pastor said, you know, when you make your pledge, um, you want to, whatever you say, you really want to make every effort to do that pledge. Because when you make a pledge to God, what are you doing? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Everything else is from the evil one. We don't quote, we don't quote the everything else is from the evil one. It's like, yeah, let your yes be yes. Okay, okay. Well, I realize, well, if it's not yes, it's yes. And I had to ask my brother forgiveness yesterday because I told him I was going to do something. I didn't do it. And he called me on it and I said, you're right. Would you please forgive me? It's sin. So when you, if you don't let your yes be yes, remember the second half of the verse, all else is from the evil one. It's not from God. And so I, I had to humble myself and, and confess that to him. So that's what uh, we want to be like-minded with our pastor. That's what God has given him uh, to help us to be generous givers. How can we do this? The economy is still not very good. Um, I didn't get a raise this year in my job. Uh, some of you didn't get raises. Some of you may have been cut. Uh, it's just not, you know, gas prices go up and down like a yo-yo. Um, it's hard to provide for your family, isn't it? So how can we do this? How can we be like-minded with our leaders? How can we cooperate with God? How can this sense of abundance of giving and joy just flow out of us? Is it possible in difficult times? Actually, I've been through all those things. Uh, Debbie and I made a decision at the beginning of the school year to homeschool Jonathan and David, our two boys that we adopted from Taiwan. Uh, we really felt like uh, Debbie was up for that, and we wanted our love, encouragement, and values to be imparted into our boys. And, and she really wanted to give it a shot, so we did it. Now, she was working, so she had to quit her job. And so when she quit her job, that cut off an income source. And I didn't quite anticipate it. I, the last four or five months, have not been able to pay my bills at the end of the month. Haven't been able to do it. Can't pay my bills. So I could sit there and whine about it. <laughs> and I did to God. By the way, if you're going to whine, do it to God. Don't, don't do it to people. God is the only one you can take your complaint to and just pour out your heart to. So I did. And uh, <laughs> couldn't pay the bills. And I thought, you know, how am I going to... I made a pledge. I've got to do this pledge. I've got to tithe. I've got to, we've got to give. We've got to, I've got to, you know, if, if you can't take care of your family, what's the Scripture say? You're worse than an infidel. So I've I got to take care of my family. But yet, I told God I was going to give this pledge, so I'm going to do it. It might hurt me and kill me, but I'm going to do it. God, how am I going to do all this stuff? And um, so I just prayed about it, and I called Pastor and said, Look, um, I didn't call him to ask for money or anything. I was just calling him you know, to communicate with him. I said, uh, You know, I'm not these months I'm not having much money to pay my bills. I just want to let you know that. I'm still paying my pledges. I'm still going to pay my my tithe and uh, we're still giving, you know, that's not going to change. Um, but sometimes I would wait. I get paid the first of the month. Uh, but what I was doing is I was waiting till the next paycheck at the end of the month. So I was becoming a month behind in my giving. So I shared that with him. I said, you know, forgive me. I'm just getting a little bit behind, but I'm, I'm paying everything. He said, well, he said, why don't you just, as soon as you get your first paycheck, 
just give your pledge and give your tithe and whatever else. And I said, immediately the principle of first fruits came to me. I said, you're right. That's exactly what I need to do. Because you remember in first fruits, when they gathered their crops, they offered the very first of their corn, the first of their grain, the first of their cattle as a way to honor God because God's the one who provided it for them. They wouldn't have had it if, anyway if it hadn't been for God. So I said, you know, I'm going to do that. So I'm not going to get behind. And that's exactly what I do. The very first checks I write are to the church. If I don't have enough money at the end of the month, which I haven't, that's God's problem. That's not mine. You say, well, those sounds like pretty big words. <clears throat> well, they are because I serve a pretty big God. So my soul shall make its boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. So that's my testimony this morning. And I'm not finished with it yet. I'm just getting warmed up. Um, sometimes you have to do something too. You've got to pay your bills. You can't just sit there and complain. Uh, so I did do something because the Scripture says, uh, the hunter does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. So I'm not about to sit there and let my family go hungry if I can get up and go out and get a job, a part-time job. So even though I'm working full-time uh, at the high school, I'm going to go out and get another job because I'm going to do what I said to God and I'm going to feed my family. So that's what I did. I've always wanted to teach at Liberty University, but I don't have the qualifications to work at Liberty University. So what? I went over there, applied, and got a job at Liberty University as an adjunct professor teaching two classes. Isn't God awesome? That's awesome. I've always wanted to teach at Liberty. Uh, I do have the qualifications in a sense um, because I'm able to teach uh, remedial math classes in the Bruckner Learning Center. Uh, so I am qualified. I have a degree in mechanical engineering as well as a uh, teaching certificate to teach math. But I've always wanted to get over there. And now I'm over there. So God has used this situation to help me fulfill a dream. Isn't that awesome? So now I'm able to meet my family needs. I'm able to meet the obligations that I've already committed to God. So God is good. Okay, but it doesn't stop there. And you say, well, John, I already work 60, 70 hours a week. I'm just too beat down. Honestly, I can't even do what I'm doing. I can't get another job. What can I do? And that's valid. And, and I understand. I'm working 60, 70 hours a week right now. So I, I understand. And it's going to be for a season. Well, there's two other things you can do. You can believe that you reap what you sow, and you can believe that money comes out of the mouth of a fish. What do I mean? You reap what you sow is a law. Non-Christians do it. Christians do it. Non-Christian corporations give 10%. They receive back 10 or more percent. President of the United States gives money to Haiti. The President of the United States will receive money back from giving to Haiti. How much more children of the light will we believe that? Amen. So you, how are you going to do this thing? If you give, God will bless you back. It's immutable, unchangeable. It's fixed and it brings Him glory when we believe it and actually do it. The second thing is, the money from the fish, let me explain myself. Um, you guys may need to go into the fishing business here in a minute. You guys remember the story in Matthew 17 
Uh, Jesus was hanging out somewhere in a house. Peter was out, and they came up to Peter. And they're like, uh, the guys that collect the taxes, the big guys that collect the temple taxes, said, uh, Peter, uh, do you and your teacher pay the temple tax, old buddy? Peter's like, well, um, of course we do. So Peter goes running back to Jesus, crashes through the door. Jesus anticipates and says, Peter, um, what do you think about paying taxes? Do the kings owe taxes? Uh, Should we pay taxes to strangers? Or do the sons of the kings have to pay taxes? And Peter said, well, the, the strangers are taxed, not the sons of the king. And Jesus said, that's right. He said, so we're free. But even though we're free, lest we offend them, Peter, get your fishing pole out, go down, cast it in, pull the fish out, take the money out of the fish's mouth and go pay the tax. He was like, oh, that's what he did. So what, what principle does that illustrate? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you even out of the mouth of a fish. Isn't that, isn't that the principle? So two principles. Seek first the kingdom of God. He'll do it. Period. You believe it or not believe it. Second principle. You reap what you sow. You believe it or not to believe it. Um, Because God has given us grace to trust Him and give, um, God has poured out abundantly in our lives. And I just want to share a testimony with you on how that works uh, because sometimes it's good to hear testimonies. Um, a couple months ago, you know, Debbie and I had taken a trip, a long trip this summer. And with a family now, with two boys, family four, it would be nice to have a minivan. So we really wished we had a minivan. We, we traveled all the way up the coast up to Maine. So it was quite a trip. Uh, we went in our Toyota uh, four-door, four which was fine. But it just would be nice to have a minivan. Uh, and then a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, calls me up and says, John, I'm selling my minivan. Do you want to buy it? I said, I said Paul, I don't, I don't know if I can buy this thing right now or not. I'd really like to buy it because I knew it was a good van. <clears throat> and he said, um, I said, let me get back to you. Let me talk to Debbie. So we talked, and I thought, well, maybe we can sell our 99 Camry, which was worth more than the minivan, then buy his minivan, and then take some of our money and pay off debt or, or whatever we needed to do with it. But as we talked and prayed, I just felt like, no, I, I really don't feel like this is uh, God for us to do. So we didn't do it. So I called him back and said, I can't, we can't buy your van. I'm sorry. I'd really love to have it, but it's just not our timing right now. So a couple weeks went by. Next thing you know, um, my friend calls me and said, um, I'm bringing a van over. I said, why is that? He said, well... Uh, I talked, to, uh, I talked to my friend, the brother that led me to the Lord years ago, and he decided he wanted to buy it for you. So he bought it for me. So here it is. I'm bringing you the van and the title. And um, God is awesome. God is awesome. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, we have this van show up on our doorstep. Now, it was worth $4,000. How do I know? Because my friend who was selling it, the day he was going to drive it over to my house, a woman drove by, stopped the car, and she said, how much do you want for that thing? I'll give you whatever you want for it. And he said, well, it's been you know, $4,000. She said, I'll give you 4000 He said, sorry, it's already been sold. Uh, so I know it was worth $4,000. And then I was able to sell my 1990 Camry, 
which had, you know, was getting up in miles. And, and let me back up. A few weeks before this whole van thing, I was driving down the road. And I, this was my prayer exactly. I said, God, this car is getting old. And I said, Lord, if, it, if this thing goes out, I don't have any money to fix it and I don't have any money to buy a new car. So Lord, you're going to have to keep this thing going because it ain't happening right now. And uh, so that, that prayer was also answered by this van showing up in our driveway. Um, God is just is awesome. Uh, another story, I'm going to let my wife share that because she does it better than I do. Why don't you come on up here? This is a recent, very recent story. And um, why don't you tell them about the... Uh, well, let me, let me introduce the laptop. You can hold this. Um, when I got hired on to teach at Liberty, they wanted me to have a laptop so I could do my PowerPoints uh, as instruction. I thought, God... <laughs> I don't have any money for a laptop. Uh, I have no money, Lord. So I called some friends of mine who were into computers, seeing if they had anything, and they had some suggestions. And then people said, John, there's 18 months, no interest at Best Buy. Yes, load yourself up with more credit. Put yourself in debt. So I go to Best Buy, look at computers, and there's three or 350 is the cheapest one, five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. And I went away and I thought, you know, God. I'm so sick. This is why I said this to God. I am so sick and tired of debt. I'm not doing it. I'm not going into debt. If you, if you want me to have a computer, you'll give me a computer because I'm not doing this. I'll teach, I'll teach on the whiteboard with a pen. <laughs> I don't care. And I don't care what they say. I need, I need a laptop. And I dropped it. Well, um, it came to me to my mom's, a friend of my mom's had gotten my sister a computer, Jenny, uh, pretty cheap. So I call my mom, you know, can Doug do the same for us? And my mom says, well, I'll sell you mine. And I, why, mom? Why are you selling your laptop? And she said, oh, yeah. As I was writing this story last night, it came to me, timing and God's timing in this different, the different stuff that happened and just, um, the sowing seeds and what God does with it, how He uses it in our lives and the people's lives that we sow in. But, um, anyway, she says to me, because you guys bought me a new one. And I thought, what? And then, see, you also showed me, need to read emails, Deb. My brother had sent me an email a week or so ago saying that he had purchased my mom a computer out of the money that all us siblings had put together six years prior. We had all um, been contributing to a fund to help my mom when she um, got older. And a few months after we started the fund, the market crashed, so it just quit. We didn't, um, that ended our efforts. Well, I thought the money was gone. Anyway, so my brother used the $2,000 to buy her a new laptop and um, bless her with just cash. And so us kids had blessed her with this laptop, and, um, and it was coming back to us. So um, my brother, so then, okay, I'm thinking, Okay, how much, Mom? How much um, do you want for it? And so I'm, me of little faith, I'm praying, God, please have it be under $200. <laughs> and my mom says, well, for you, $75. She gets off the phone, and I'm trying to call John. A couple hours, can't get a hold of him. A couple hours later, she calls back and says she rethought the price, and she wants to give it to us. 
And the reason, because she just read an email from my sister who had sent her the email last night, again, emails, um, and asked my mom if she could have her laptop because her husband's had just broken and he uses it for personal things, not for work. And she said, sorry, I'm giving it. And she realized then I want to give it to John and Debbie. So she gave it to us. So, it was just so cool. So again, um, the whole point of that is I've, I've opened myself up and shared some personal information with you. But I want to do that because uh, some of you could be helped by my testimony. What we have done consistently is uh, we have opened ourselves up to be a blessing of giving to people. By doing that, that allows God to open up a window of blessing on us. So now as we continuously, regularly give, God continuously and regularly pours out in our lives. And if you add up $4,000 van, $500 laptop, and I've already shared other things with you. I already told you um, we gave a small tip to somebody. And the next day, a friend comes to me and hands me a $100 pill and says, just want to bless you for Christmas. So that, that happened all year. If I add it all up, <clears throat> well, let's, let's just add up the $4,500. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know if I made $40,000 a year, what's 10% of $40,000? 4000 So God has given back to me over and above what we've given out. Isn't that incredible? So I want to show you, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the math guy, right? I like this numbers thing. <laughs> um, it works. The numbers work. The math works. Why? Because He designed the math and He designed the principles. And He backs up His principles. And so that's my testimony is that you can trust. If you say, I don't know how to do this thing, John. I want to honor my pledge and I can't. I don't feel like I can. Yes, you can. John, I want to give 10%, but I just don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Because if you open yourself up to be a pipe of continuous, regular giving, then that allows a pipe of continuous, regular blessing to pour out on you. And I, I know, I've, I've lived it. I'm living it. And there's nothing greater than that. To have cars show up on your driveway. And <laughs> laptops just appear in your lap. Okay. Alright, let's go to the second one. Uh, let, me, let me conclude that one. Will you cooperate with the Lord when He says, see that you abound in the grace of giving also? Will you be of one mind in one accord with your leaders as far as tithes and offerings and keeping your pledge? And will you believe that you reap what you sow and that money comes out of the mouth of a fish? All right. Second area of stewardship I want to talk to you today is reaching those who God has put in your path. Um, we want to be good stewards of people. Obviously, you can only reach people in your workplace that I can't reach. I mean, that's we all know that. Let me just read some scriptures. 1 Corinthians 9, 16, 17. These are motivational scriptures, okay? 
I like, I don't know, you guys remember Keith Green years ago? Keith Green was real heavy into exhortation. I love that kind of stuff. I like when people strongly encourage me. That's just the way I'm made. These scriptures will strongly encourage us. You ready? The Apostle Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for of necessity it is laid upon me. Necessity sounds like the guy's going to die or something. Yes, woe is me. Woe is me. What's this guy talking about? If I do not preach the gospel, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I haven't been entrusted with a stewardship. Woe is me? What do you think the woe? You know, we say woe is me is in pity party, um, you know, when we're complaining that, I don't know, our car broke down, woe is me. But I don't think that's the woe is me that he's talking about here. Woe is me, like, there might be some pretty serious consequences if I don't do this thing. Isaiah said, Isaiah looked and saw God, and what did he say? He said, woe is me. It's not some trite, pithy expression that my car broke down. Oh, woe is me. You know, like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, he, there's something serious going on for him to say, woe is me. He said, look, I've got to do this thing. If I don't do it, I could be in trouble. If I do it willingly, I get a great reward. But even if I do it and I don't do it willingly, I'm still going to do this thing because this is serious. At least it's a stewardship. I mean, God saved me from a lake of fire and asked me to do a job. I mean, isn't the least I can do what He asked me to do? I mean, do you kind of catch that's His attitude here? I do. Proverbs 24.11 I love this Scripture. This is one of my favorite Scriptures in all the Bible. Rescue those being led to death. Hold back those staggering toward the slaughter. Do you guys know there's a slaughter going on? But if you say, we didn't know anything about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? I always say, well, I just lived, you know, I went to church and I did the best I could do. Um, I didn't really know much about sharing the gospel of God. You know, sorry. Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? Am I condemning anyone? No. All we're saying is there's a reward for doing what God asks us to do. And you suffer loss. I suffer loss if we don't do what God asks us to do. That's another place in Scripture, right? If you don't do what God asks you to do, you're not going to be condemned. Your sins are already forgiven. There's no shame. There's no guilt. You just don't receive all that God has for you in, in reward day. Okay. The reason I like this Scripture so much is that we're rescue. This isn't talking about salvation to being born again here, by the way. This thing was written 3,000 years ago. Christ hadn't come on the scene yet. He hadn't risen from the dead yet, had he? So what's Solomon talking about? Rescue those who are stumbling towards destruction. I don't really know. It doesn't say. I have no clue. I might have a little clue. You know, king, A king wrote the book, didn't he? King Solomon. And so the king is going to be speaking from the perspective of one 
who is entrusted to execute justice. So it's possible that he's saying, hey, if someone's been falsely accused and they're, they're being led away to be killed, we need to rescue them. We need to stand up uh, for justice. We need to stand against injustice. That's my only guess. I don't know what it means. But I want to apply this to salvation because the same word for salvation is deliverance or rescue. When we talk about I have been saved from my sins, that word means rescue or deliver in the Greek. So I can apply that. So we're on a divine rescue mission. Have you pulled anybody out of the flames today or yesterday or last week? Well, how can we do it? That's the question, right? John, how do we do it? I've identified a couple ways we can do it. Number one, cry out to God to give you a heart to reach the lost. And honestly, over the past years, um, because my work responsibilities uh, were, were overwhelming at first, I got lost in the cares and concerns of life. I really did. And I started to lose my fire and my edge uh, to reach the lost. And I have to repent. And I'm an American. And there's so much to play with. There's so many things to do. There really is. There's so many movies. There's so many fun things to do. There's so many places to go. Um, And you have money that you start to slip away from what God has called us to do. We, We have. We really have. So what do we do? God, help me. Lord, it's true. I confess it. I'm like, a, I'm like seed that's grown up in the weeds. I'm starting to become choked. Lord, help me. Number two, after we stand before God and repent and seek Him, identify those to whom God has put in your life. That makes sense, doesn't it? If we're going to reach somebody, who are they? Okay, how do you tell who they are? Every single one of you has somebody that God has put in your life. I guarantee it. You say, how do you know? I know. Because Christ didn't die in vain. That's how I know. Christ did not die in vain. Who are they? These are the people who God has put in your life. The people that you have favor with at work, in the classroom, and in your neighborhoods. You know how there's people that kind of like you and they just like being with you? You've done nothing for that. They just hang out with you. Those are the people God's given you to reach. I'm not talking about Christians now. Don't even think Christians. Um, The people that you offend, and they still hang out with you. (laughs) Your friends at high school, that they just like being with you. Those are the people God has given you. They're yours. Pluck the fruit. What are you going to do with them? Um, Pray for them, right? Pray for them. Um, That's on God's heart, is to pray. Paul, if you read his prayers in all his epistles, the Apostle Paul's prayers were hardly ever for himself. And then when he did pray for himself, he didn't pray to be healed from sickness. I'm not saying he never prayed that. I'm just saying what Scripture records. He doesn't pray for a new van. He doesn't pray for all these things that I pray for. He doesn't pray for that stuff. At least what's recorded in Scripture. What does he pray for? 
Second Thessalonians 3.1. And you read, the, read his prayers yourself and, and see what I'm saying. Finally, brethren, pray for us. What, Paul? What should we pray for you? That you get some clothes? He didn't have clothes. Did you realize that? He said, even to this day, we're naked. He didn't have clothes. I mean, he's wearing rags. Obviously, that's something. Do you want clothes, Paul? He said, we're hungry. Do you want food, Paul? No, he didn't want prayer for food. I would have prayed for food because when I don't eat, I'm hungry. <laughs> I mean, I want food. What is it, Paul? What is it? A new boat to share, to sail around the world in? Because the last one you were on was shipwrecked. No, he didn't want a new boat. What did you want, Paul? Come on, tell us. Oh, for the word of the Lord that would run swiftly. The word of the Lord runs swiftly. Run where? With the gospel, right? He was so consumed with the gospel getting out, he wanted as many people to hear the gospel as possible. Let's pray. Pray for these people in your workplace. Pray for the students that you sit next to. Pray for the students that you hang out with, that you go to movies with. Pray. Ask God to save their souls. And then the last thing you can do is look for opportunities to serve them and then share your life with them and share your faith with them. 1 Corinthians 9.19 This Scripture is a bit complicated, actually. I'm going to give it a shot here. Um, For though I am free from all men, says Paul, the zealot, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, I become as without law. Not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Hang with me here. Hang with me. To the weak, I become as weak. That I might win the weak, I become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the Gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. This guy's crazy. I mean, he has a one-track mind. And uh, it's a good thing that he wrote his letters because we have the Word of God to help us. Encourage us. How can we do that? Well, if he was Jewish and he hung out with other Jews um, that weren't saved, he was going to do what Jews did, right? He was going to observe the dietary restrictions. But then if he hung out with a Gentile, he had his freedom in Christ. He didn't have to eat um, the food of the Jews because God had released the Jews from all these regulations, right? So Paul, whoever he was with, He could become like they were so he could win them to Christ. Can we do that today? If you're you're with people that work construction, well, don't start talking about a bunch of intellectual nonsense that they don't care about. Relate to them where they're at. If you work construction, start talking to them about construction. And if you work a professional job, talk to them on their level. I mean, relate to where they're at. And if they got kids in soccer, talk about kids in soccer. And if they like to go out to eat, go out and eat with them. And if they like cookies, and everybody does, then bake cookies for them. My wife likes to bake cookies. 
I wish neighbors would bring us cookies. <laughs> I wish there were Christians in our neighborhood that would reach out to me. <laughs> That's a little warped, isn't it? <laughs> but how many, my wife just the other day, she's sick, and I, I was thinking, you're crazy. She wanted to go bring a plate of food to somebody. I thought, you know, you can't do that. You don't have time. You're sick or something. And she did. Um, ladies, bake the cookies. Take them around in the neighborhood. Bring them to your next door neighbors. Yak with them. <laughs> Enjoy them. Build the relationships with them. Men, help the guy next to you shovel their walks, their ice. Buy a little extra bag of salt. And when uh, the old lady that lives next to you, take your salt over and dump it on her sidewalk. You don't need to ask her. She'll be thankful. We can do these things, can't we? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's nothing. I really had a burden to share with my family and relatives. Uh, this is my last story for today. A couple months ago, because I, when I became a Christian, man, I, I the, the trumpet sounded. I wrote letters to hundreds of people. I shared a seven-page uh, spiritual gut-wrenching testimony. I shared every sin I had. I mean, it was just a an atrocious bloodbath of <laughs> spiritual gore dumping all over the pages of the paper and how I got saved, gloriously saved. And then everyone the next, the reactions at B&W when I was working there, I had women, people come up to me, look at me like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah, I'm great. Well, that was a long time ago. And I thought, you know, my relatives, my family, they still don't know the Lord. There's still people in Lynchburg that are not saved. i got to do something. i got to get the Word out to them. They're going to die and burn in a lake of fire. And if I have anything to do with it, I'm going to do something. So what can I do? It came to me. You know how people always send you those, um, you know, those Christian letters? They give you a family update uh, with their pictures during Christmas and New Year's. I've gotten those things from years. I'm like... This is interesting. This is what Christians do. They send out family updates every year. And then you hang the pictures on the refrigerator, right? I mean, don't you guys get those? I just never... It was like, that's cool, you know. But I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to take a family picture. I'm going to send it out. I'm going to share the Gospel. And when I say share the Gospel, I mean the Gospel. I'm not watering anything down. I'm going to tell them exactly what they need to be saved and what's going to happen to them if they're not saved, that there really is a lake of fire. I'm going to do it. And so I typed up a letter. My wife is applying her editing touches to it. And do we have a picture to show here? You guys can do this. That's why I'm showing you this. There's our family picture I'm going to send out this year. Isn't that great? It is. It's awesome. Because God's given me a wonderful family and I'm going to share it with them. But what's more wonderful than my family is to see people get saved. Because my family's saved. Now, can you imagine your friends getting pictures like this and a little letter just saying what God's doing in your life and what you're doing? They love that kind of stuff. And then at the end, just a little listen. uh, Just so we keep our focus for a new year, I just want to encourage you, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't put your trust in Him, would you please do so? He has died to forgive you of your sins. 
And if you will receive him as your Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life and you won't have to go through his judgment. Would you please do that? Two or three sentences at the end of the letter. That's it. I might offend someone, John. Good. Praise God if you offend somebody. Say, was that scripture? It sure is. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. He said it, didn't he? Now, I'm not saying we go look for divisions because he didn't say that either. (laughs) He said he came to bring the gospel and it's going to be like a sword that's going to split in half a mother against her daughter, a father against a son, a daughter against mother. I mean, right? So if somebody gets offended, maybe the Holy Spirit can do some work. But if nobody ever gets offended with anything, are we really sharing the gospel? Are we really sharing the gospel? Think about that. Because everything is so watered down. Nobody knows they're a sinner. There's no need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? They don't know that they're going to hell. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. And few find it. Do you realize there's a multitude of billions of people like drunken people that are literally staggering to an incredible butcher shop of judgment. And that path is very, very wide. And unless we rescue them, those whom God has given us, I'm not saying you need to pray the phone book over people. I mean, if God leads you to do it, do it. There's a few people in your lives that you can reach that we can't reach. Will you do it? Will you take the stewardship that God has given you? Will you cry out to God to change your heart and give you a renewed zeal for the lost? Will you identify those people whom God has put in your life and pray for them? Pray every day with my boys. We pray for the little kids in the Taiwan orphanage that they get saved. Pray for the little kids on our street that they get saved. We pray for the adults on our street that they get saved. Pray for the uh, co-workers, my teachers, that they'll get saved. Are you praying for people to get saved? Will you look for opportunities to serve them and become all things to all people so that you might save some? Those are my two areas. Uh, that I wanted to talk to you about today. <clears throat> I just want to give you an opportunity. I'm sorry uh, I kept you over. Um, I want to have the prayer team come up. And I want to give you an opportunity. First of all, if you're in here today and you've been a church churchgoer or you could care less about God, you're just here because you're here for some reason, maybe a friend, um, you need to be born into God's family. You really do. And God loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, will you receive Him now? Raise your hand if you would like to receive Christ as your Savior and go to heaven. Anyone like that in here? You've never received Christ. You've never confessed your sins to Him. Okay. I um, just want to give you guys an opportunity. I've shared, I've shared some uh, maybe things that could be difficult to do that really take faith and courage and strength to do. And we need help. 
Why do you think the Holy Spirit is called the Helper? So come up, if you would like prayer, to be helped. If you're struggling with your finances, you want to honor your pledge, you don't know how you can do it. You honestly don't think you can do it. You want to be able to honor what the leaders say about tithes and offerings, you honestly don't know if you can do it. But you want to do it. You need help. Well, we have people that will pray for you today. You want to be, have a better witness for Christ. Do you need help? We all need help, don't we? I cry out to God every single day for help. I really do. So feel free to come up and get prayed for, and uh, God will meet you here today. And uh, I'm just going to pray a blessing over everybody. And you guys go and have a wonderful day. If you're out in the restaurants, remember your waiters and waitresses. Pardon me? Haiti, yes, thank you. Um, remember your waiters and waitresses in restaurants. Tip them well. And just ask them uh, if they go to church. If they don't, say, have you considered what Jesus Christ has taught about being forgiven from you? I mean, you can do it in three sentences. Can you write a letter to your family? I mean, the stakes are serious. They're very serious. Haiti offering... We have an excellent opportunity to bless the people in Haiti. Uh, Again, when you leave, um, if you would abound in your giving today, we have some plates right outside the door. Let me say a blessing over you, and you'll be dismissed. Anyone wants prayer for anything, sickness, um, anything, just come up. We'll be happy to uh, lay hands on you and pray for you today. Father, we thank you for your words. I pray, Father, you would help us to be doers of the word today. Lord, you would give us, you would strengthen us in our inner man with might through your Holy Spirit to be able to obey your word with joy and gladness. We thank you that you've privileged us to bring us into your kingdom. And we thank you so much, Lord, for your glorious salvation. Pray your blessings now to be upon this congregation. Lord, bless you and keep you all. Lord, make his face shine brightly and brilliantly upon you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you. and give you the peace, the peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen.